Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. This is Jay Kokorowski. We got Owen Reese here. Another great edition of the show. This will be the second of the week. The first one you heard, obviously, Olive Sangapalu, former Wisconsin nose tackle, heading to the NFL. Great discussion with him earlier this week. A big thanks to him for making time. And uh, we're hoping to get a couple more Wisconsin Badgers before the draft and, and whatnot, too to talk about their experiences and, and what lies ahead for them at the next level. But before that, we're, you know, we'll get into next week. Hopefully we'll, we'll talk some NFL draft and talk with some NFL draft experts regarding where some Badgers could be landing, you know, for NFL organizations. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to some spring ball. Actually this episode, talk about some musings. We'll play some audio from quarterback coach, John Budmeyer. Uh, instead of, kind of writing a, a separate article. I'm going to play it on this show, but we'll also do kind of a, I'm going to basically, I've already transcribed the entire eight plus minute interview with Bud Meyer with reporters today. And what we'll do with him really is we'll sit down and, uh, you know, I'm just going to write it out, you know, basically copy paste what I transcribed and, and post it up probably tomorrow morning for you guys to kind of take a look at what's inside the quarterback competition and basically, you know, unedited and, exactly what he told us regarding, you know, several questions. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but before that uh, we will, you know, I think the big thing right here, Owen, I think the big news here, at least in the state of Wisconsin, and you went to school in the Waukesha area. So that's close to Milwaukee. I'm from Milwaukee and you know about, we've covered Wisconsin and Marquette for basketball. And so we know just how, you know, I guess the rivalry, if it is one-sided, if one side views it a little bit more than the others, I think you and I agree on that. But, I mean, the Housers, Sam and Joey, announced their intention to transfer from Marquette. And if you take a look at some reports from WISN TV's Stephen Watson, uh, you've heard Lance Allen chime in, Jeff Patrikas had his article uh, along with Ben Steele from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that was posted, I believe earlier today uh, in the past 24 hours, at least looks like Wisconsin could be a part of it. looks like Virginia could be a part of it. Uh, you look at Michigan state, Lance Allen mentioned them too in this and reported that this is a really interesting case for Wisconsin basketball potentially. And they, according to badgerblitz.com's, Scholarship uh, grid, it looks like there's room. This is an interesting time for in-state basketball. Yeah, absolutely, and especially for a Badger program that uh, has kind of struggled, uh, maybe lack of a better word, but uh, struggled to uh, land their priority targets uh, over the past few years. Uh, In the 2018 class, Tyler Harrow and, and Joey Hauser were the only two scholarships offered for a very long time uh, and until really until both of them spurned UW uh, did, did Wisconsin really kind of scramble at the end and uh, ended up getting in Ty Strickland who 
uh, has since announced his intention to transfer. So, yeah, I mean that's a that's it's, it's big news. Uh, the the Housers obviously played at Stevens Point Area Senior High, uh, Spash or whatever you want to call it, uh, along with current Badger Trevor Anderson, um, who the the three of them uh, being on that that same high school team was um, unfair would be one way to put it. But I they there's clearly a ton of um, chemistry there. A lot of you know, they grew up together, went to the same high school. Uh, for for what that's worth, um, and yeah, I mean the, the Housers were very highly regarded uh in in the state of wisconsin so the not only the fact that they're leaving marquette but the potential that they could end up at uw uh is extremely uh extremely uh relevant in this within the state of wisconsin for sure so uh big time uh shake up here marquette really looked like they they might have had the start of something going uh now all of a sudden they lose marcus howard and and both housers um certainly a big shock to their their system at the moment. Ah, nice. An undisputed era reference. Shock the system. Love it. Um, That's right. And when, for those that don't know, Owen and I will also be heading to uh, WWE's NXT Milwaukee show coming up uh, the 27th. That's that Saturday, man. Uh, It's already coming up a couple Saturdays from now, but I digress on that note because we're talking Wisconsin with, I guess, you know, and and maybe one of these days too, we'll have uh, someone on the talk from a Marquette perspective about what happened. And we're not going to speculate as to why they're transferring, but uh, at least right now. Uh, but really, there are connections. You mentioned Trevor Anderson there, and you look at also with you know both Steele and Patricus note this you know in their article that was just published um, this you know uh, earlier today. It actually was uh, this afternoon. You know, just talking about. You know, he, they say sources outside the program, this is verbatim from the article, have told the, the Journal Sentinel that the Badgers have emerged as the most logical and favorite landing spot because of several factors. They kind of let the talk about what we've talked about before. Scholarships are available. Um, and then, you know, it's, it, I think it's, uh, you mentioned that. I mean, there's guard uh, Trevor Anderson as well. Uh, you, you talk about, it looks like, you know, it, it based, uh, you know, guard, you know, they're saying it's clear that Greg guard covets both players. Uh, and so it's interesting to see with these factors, if Wisconsin can land them, I mean, Virginia, I think there are some factors out there um, in terms of, I don't know their scholarship distribution, but you know, they did have, uh, you know, Hunter and Ty Jerome and even today, Kyle Guy said he's going to test the waters, but he can always come back. I don't know where Kyle Guy actually fits in in terms of being draftable, but uh, that's something to look into. And Tony Bennett, obviously, having some in-state connections, I believe he played at Spash, uh, bef- you know, previously before going to, going, before going to Green Bay Preble. Uh, and then... Of course, his father, Dick, uh, coached at UW-Green Bay before heading to Wisconsin. So really, I mean, a lot of it's just speculation about now, right now, but where, outside of these reports, I mean, but where else they could go? Or, you know, if it, 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 we don't know how long the timeline is going to be. We don't know exactly, uh, you know, how this will all play out. But 
based off of what we're, you know, what we're seeing, you know, or at least hearing or reports, it seems like Wisconsin's in a good spot right now. Yeah, I think they are. And I think that, uh, like, this is a, a, a chance really for UW to, to pull a huge coup here uh, and, and land these two guys. I think that even the fact that they're in the conversation uh, is encouraging, uh, especially when the other two programs are out of, out of state. Um, you know, Virginia and Michigan State both recruited Joey Hauser. Uh, I know I can tell you for sure. Uh, Sam Hauser was a bit before I really started to uh, closely follow recruiting for basketball. Um, but as I said, I know for sure it was thought to be the final four for Joey Hauser were Virginia, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Marquette. So when you get to that point, the other three schools are obviously there, but um, you know, they're, they're friends with Kobe King. Uh, they're, they're friends with Brad Davidson. Uh, they're friends with Trevor Anderson, obviously. So uh, I think it would be a great fit uh, culture wise. Like obviously they've, they've grown up in Wisconsin. They understand that uh, dynamic. They understand what that's like. They were both recruited by UW um, in, in some capacity. Uh, and, and so I think they would be good fits at Wisconsin. They're both long uh, athletic players, uh, they can both shoot. They're both very skilled. Uh, and, and like I said, obviously growing up in Wisconsin and, and being in the same, um, you know, the, the same culture growing up as Trevor Anderson, that same system, uh, clearly defense a priority as well. Uh, and so, I mean, really a, a Badger team that's hurt for shooters at times, um, you know, obviously that that's a sight for sore eyes there. But, um, you know, you get someone in uh, Joey Hauser who really uh, has the sky is the limit for him. Um, you know, skill-wise, obviously there's a reason Wisconsin coveted him so highly uh, coming out of high school. But then with Hauser as well, you add two long wings that can shoot the ball, play defense, uh, and, and are both both skilled athletes. So, um, you know, both are, are have to be extremely coveted um, by UW, and I think that they would be, uh, you know, a, a perfect a perfect fit for what UW is looking for. They lose – Khalil Iverson, they lose Charlie Thomas, they lose Ethan Happ. So you're losing some size, uh, some size and some defense. Uh, and, and that's obviously what, what they can bring along with, um, you know, additional offensive skills and, and the ability to shoot. Uh, so to me, obviously, we, like I said, we don't know anything and they're only, you know, potentially in the running right now. But, uh, you know, the, the prospect of that happening has to have, um, you know, Badger fans, the UW program, uh, and everyone else involved salivating uh, just, I mean, with, with the, the potential to that, of that, that, that can make UW different uh, from a skill standpoint, um, from an expectation standpoint. Uh, and I think that's something that even UW being mentioned in has to be encouraging moving forward. Exactly. And, and when you reference like Kobe King being, uh, you know, being friends with the Housers, uh, you know, or, you know, it looks like, uh, based off an Aaron Barney article back from uh, December this past year when Wisconsin Marquette played, I mean, she notes the history uh, between King and the Housers when uh, basically going up against uh, Spash, uh, you know, Kobe was playing at lacrosse central. So uh, it is, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how everything really, you know, how this works out and you know, if this happens, we'll obviously keep you posted on Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, I'm sure we'll have analysis articles. If it does go down, 
the one thing I maybe the thing we should say too on this as well is if they if Gregard can't land them, I don't uh, assess the fault for that. I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, let me rephrase. I don't think it would be his fault if he can't land them if they go to Virginia or if Michigan State has scholarship room based off other reports. It you know it's this is based off of what Jeff and Ben put together in their article. And I think, you know, I think it's been, I don't know if it's been widely reported or whatnot, but, you know, Sam was not offered underneath Bo Ryan's regime. And so he went to obviously Marquette and that's where, you know, you see now, you know, Joey followed and now obviously they are where they are, but I don't know. I don't feel like, and it's not being a guard apologist, but I don't know if they don't land him, if this is his fault. I mean, he has a prime opportunity to kind of, I don't know if you could say right or wrong, because because Sam has developed into a, a great three-point percentage shooter. I think he was right around 42%, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or 40%. Uh, both shoot over 40% from deep, which is phenomenal, and something that Wisconsin fans would probably have their eyes eyebrows raised highly for that. But I don't know. I, I can't think that it would be his fault if they don't, if Wisconsin does not land them. Well, yeah. And to me that, that, that uh, narrative would seem to me that in order for him to be at fault here or to, to not execute, this would have to be where both housers are overtly uh, indicating their interest to UW and guard either one, not caring or two, uh, you know, kind of fumbling the ball. I mean, as far as not clearing up scholarship room or not, you know, I, I, I guess, as I said, for, for for Greg Gard, I guess, to be at fault here, like I said, you would seem to me like that the there was no other competition and, and UW managed to screw it up, right? Because like I said, I mean, Tyler Harrow and Joey Hauser were the only two recruits that they had offered that entire cycle. Um, you know, so I guess if, uh, if there's any doubt of UW's, uh, desire or interest in Joey Hauser, I think that that would be all the evidence you would need for that. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, a, a difference there in recruiting with Sam as well. But like I said, to me, that's not, uh, I, I would struggle to find a way that that would be UW's fault that another, that if they were to be picked over again, um, when really the Housers know what Wisconsin is better than better as well as anybody, you know? So I don't think that's, that's Greg guards fault. Uh, Wisconsin is Wisconsin. They've been Wisconsin for, for 20 years now. Um, the identity hasn't changed. The, the system hasn't changed. And truthfully outside of one bit of an outlier year, the results haven't changed. So to me, that's an odd, uh, odd way to think of that. I don't, you know, Greg Gard was was Bo, Bo Ryan's head recruiter. You know, and really, I, I don't. Um, yeah, I guess I'm with you with that. I, I don't. That's an odd take, I guess, to have. I don't think that. Um, you know, whether if the Housers choose to go somewhere other than UW, I, I uh, fail to see how that would reflect poorly on Greg Gard. So, looking then, I mean, like I said, we'll see what happens, and obviously, Bucky's with quarter again. 
we'll let you know first things that we hear we'll report it or we'll if we hear anything on our end we don't necessarily have the the best inside sources for basketball however uh, anything that comes through our way uh, we'll make sure that we deliver to you the fans we'll have an al- the biggest thing with us we'll give you analysis what's ahead how it could it affect recruiting for the 2020 class and beyond uh plus more but for now uh we'll see but either way it's a it's big news in state and we'll definitely see what comes of this you know what uh we'll get to the break uh towards the end of the show let's get let's get straight into spring ball um big news today from what we saw owen garrett rand returning big time uh for this uh you know in my opinion it's big time coming off of the the reported right achilles tendon tear he told us on saturday that you know he was close to 100 percent Going to do some individual work and then hopefully be back fully for summer conditioning and fall camp. Well, he took a big step today. One that I didn't see necessarily. He said in a bit, I didn't know necessarily what he meant by that. But now you're seeing him uh, go through some individual drills. It wasn't fully the, the full positional dr- uh, drills. He did not do anything for team, but it's a, it's a good sign for the Richard Jr. defensive lineman. One where if he pairs up with Isaiah Loudermilk, and you know, I, I think they have a good pair of starting ends, and if they can stay healthy, that'll drastically help the defense and its production, especially its pass rush. Absolutely, and I think with two potential NFL prospects, uh, so certainly getting them on the field uh, and keeping them healthy is is paramount for UW. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, it, Garrett Rand and himself is a, is a huge deal coming back. Uh, former four-star recruit, picked UW over UCLA and and a bunch of other places. Um, you know he's he's one of their three best defensive linemen. He's played out of position almost his entire career at UW uh, for the sake of filling a team need rather than than being where he's probably best utilized. But uh, you know coming off that Achilles injury, it'll be interesting to see uh, if he's as explosive or um, you know how he responds that way. But but uh, like I said, Garrett Rand by himself is a big deal coming back. It's a, it's a an above average starter, um, you know, and a guy that could really uh, make a big impact on this defense. And then when you look at it from the other direction, where with what the Wisconsin defensive line looked like a year ago, um, and really only having one scholarship nose tackle, you need as much depth and talent along that defensive line at all three spots as you can possibly get. Uh, so I mean, someone the caliber of Garrett Rand coming back. In in and of itself is a big deal for UW. In particular, coming back to um, you know come to the rescue to this this defensive end position, uh, or in particular, I guess it'd be kind of the, their defensive tackle. But it, it's it's huge. Um, it, it's it it's a big deal to that defense, uh, and it's a, it's a big deal for um, like I said, a, a position group that's still fairly young uh, and and really looking for um, you know some some playmakers there. So. Uh, him coming back along with louder milk. That's uh, a very formidable defensive end pairing um, in the big 10 uh, and, and two older players, veteran players that can kind of play on the outside of, of the still fairly young Bryson Williams, although he played quite a bit a year ago. Absolutely. By the way, real quick, going back to the Hauser news, just making this correcting the article that we, uh, that you referenced with them being friends, Aaron Barney from 24 seven sports is the one who wrote that from Badger 24 seven. She's the one that just wrote it like 12 hours ago. So quick, quick correction on that back to Rand uh, and, and the rest of the team for football, for spring ball. 
Uh, you also saw Madison Cohn and Danny Davis suit back up again. Cohn did more work from what I saw. Uh, it looked like he, during an individual session, he worked with the safeties, and that kind of makes sense because they, uh, Scott Nelson told us on Saturday that really they only had six healthy safeties working right now, and that's Nelson, Eric Burrell, and then Colin Wilder, the transfer from Houston, Reggie Pearson, the redshirt freshman, but then John Torchio and Tyler Mace. Uh, but it looked like, at least for this one session that I was paying attention to, Cone was working with the safeties on, on that end. So it'll be interesting to see what they, how he's used. Uh, and then Davis, he suited up. And, you know, they were in half pack today, meaning his shoulder pads and helmet. Really, uh, you know, I didn't see a lot of the positional work at first with the wide receiver. So I don't know if he did a lot, but he did not like Rand. He didn't do you know, team drills or anything like that. So, uh, but still good to see if you're a Wisconsin fan or a Wisconsin, you know, the program, you are likely happy to see them starting to come back as well. Um, Leo Chanel, another interception, uh, another interception off of Graham Mertz. Uh, I mean, and Jim Leonard talked to him. You, you listened to the audio about Leonard to uh, what he said about Chanel. Uh, Garrett Groshek told us, you know, a couple of weeks, it was a couple of weekends ago about how he was barking out call, calls right away when it came to, uh, you know, first day in as the Mike linebacker. And we talked about it last week, you know, and I believe I'm not mistaken, John Veldheis tweeted it out that he, he saw Chanel leave the field. Um, you know, he left the field with the trainer after, but yeah, I didn't see that part necessarily, but it, this is a kid uh, just as a, maybe it's your weekly Chanel update, whether it's going to be fullback John, who's a sophomore walk on or Leo, younger brother, Leo. Uh, these two are, are starting to find their roles in, you know, I think they're setting themselves up well for fall camp reps with the way that they've been playing. Yeah, for sure. And that's something I wanted to talk about. Um, Leo Chanel came into UW. I, think, I believe he's listed at 239 yep, pounds. Right. Like that's insanely impressive for an early enrollee um, high schooler. I mean, he should still be, he should have just had his prom, you know, or senior prom or whatever. So the, the concept of him, um, you know, being that big and that physically ready from the jump is huge. And then the fact that he's coming in early, um, I think it, it, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Leo Chanel end up in the two deep, um, you know, or even getting that or designation uh, in the two deep, you know, whether it's Chris Orr and Jack Sanborn or Leo Chanel. I think that he's a kid that uh, is making this known uh, extremely quickly that that he's ready to go um, and, and he's not uh, looking to uh, have an adjustment year or, or red shirt or, or anything of, of, along those lines. He's ready to go. Um, so. Uh, to me, Chanel's been the guy uh, big time that has uh, kind of stood out, at least from from what we've been able to read. And I think that if you can kind of read through the, the read the tea leaves, uh, he's going to contribute in 20, uh, 2019. And that might not be uh, just limited to special teams. Right. I mean, you know, and he's worked with the two deep, mostly with Mike Mascalunas uh, in that pairing. And we'll see what comes of it. Uh, exactly, you know. I'm not, and you know, like I said, it, sometimes you hit a freshman wall. Uh, you know, we've seen impressive stuff from Graham Mertz, but he still throws an interception. Or, you know, you'll hear from John John Budmeyer, by the way, 
Uh, we'll wrap up the show with his audio and you'll hear fully what he thinks about the quarterbacks. As I mentioned earlier, before we uh, started the, or before we, before we really dug into this podcast. So it, you know, it, Spencer Lytle as another true freshman is maybe something to call out too. He's been more of the reserves kind of third, maybe I won't maybe third or fourth team when it comes to that uh, working his way in. He's still a little bit lighter. Uh, he's listed at 204 pounds at the position. So if they, he can get another 10 to 10 to 20 pounds, uh, that would be a start because I think even a guy like Zach Bonds around 225, 235 at the moment. Uh, and of course you see what Bonds doing. And I think Bonds had a, uh, for those that are asking Bond, I think had a pretty good spring uh, Jim Leonard in, in the, you know, he mentioned last year Bond was a little dinged up, uh, not enough to be necessarily on an injury report, but just, you know, uh, I thought he still played well in coming back from that foot surgery uh, from 2017 season that cost them that. But again, uh, we'll keep an eye on the outside linebacker combinations. Uh, Noah Burks has looked good. I think Isaiah Green May has been in some nickel looks with Bond. So they've paired them up when they've gone to three defensive backs. Uh, that's something to watch. I think Green May, you know, around 6'6", 220, I think 20, 223 pounds he was listed at, uh, has some freakish size. Uh, so again, watch out for that. Uh, we'll keep an eye out on our end for outside linebackers as well as the true freshman and younger guys uh, coming up. But, you know, let's get to real quick uh, before we take a break. Your favorite position, because you played it in college, offensive lineman. You had a chance to listen to Joe Rudolph earlier uh, from today's availability. Uh, any any comments in your Anything that stands out to you from his comments uh, regarding either the offensive line or anything in general? Um, well, one, we talked about this before we got on the show. Joe Rudolph, if any fans that are listening to this that that haven't heard uh, Coach Rudolph talk or or speak to the media, uh, he's he's very um, – anyone that doesn't like how Paul Christ conducts himself in press conferences will like how Joe Rudolph does. Um, and, I, and I don't mean that to, to pick on Christ, but he's, he's very um, – I guess gracious, maybe for, um, for lack of a better term, uh, coming to mind, but uh, very not transparent either, but extremely, um, you know, willing to to talk uh, to the media and be um, very cheerful and just have a, a pleasant disposition about him. So I enjoy that about him. Um, I think it was interesting. You mentioned talking about Logan Bruss uh, playing both guard and tackle uh, for the sake of him doing both. Uh, I, th- I think that's something to move forward. I think they've got more tackle depth than they maybe thought. Um, obviously, I mentioned that Dave Mormon um, standing out in the spring, which is encouraging for the uh, the soon to be fifth year senior. Um, so that's that's always good to have seniors playing their best football. Uh, I thought it was also uh, interesting. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to me, but he mentioned that Caden Lyles much more comfortable at guard at the moment than he is at center. Which makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you uh, when you play guard, it's much um, I don't want to say easier, but there's a lot less uh, on your plate. I guess walking up even to the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, if you're a center, you've got to be looking at where the mic is, how you're going to to adjust pass protections, um, uh, run um, you know run calls, identifying the defensive front. Saying who, where the, figuring out where the mic is, figuring out what run, run combinations you're going to get in, uh, and then you have to worry about like 
you know, snapping the ball to the quarterback. So there's a lot of that there uh, on that's on the center, and Wisconsin is has been pretty outward without that. That they they put that on the center. Michael Dieter um, was known for doing that. Uh, Dan Volts as well, uh, you know, predating predating Dieter, and then obviously Biotish as well. Um, can you know that, that's on the center to bark out a lot of those calls uh, when things are changed. Um, it's on them to communicate that. So, as you mentioned, with with Lyles taking a year off essentially from doing that um, and and being on the defensive side, he's still a bit rusty at center. So that I found that interesting, but it, it very much made sense. Uh, and then he also mentioned too that Jason Erdman can play center uh, and and them not lose a ton there. So uh, I think there's probably a bit more depth than maybe we thought. Uh, at least as far as he mentioned that there's eight to nine guys that could potentially be fighting for starting spots. Um, so I think that's got to be encouraging with, with as much turnover as there's going to be at the position uh, heading into this year. So I think overall it's, it's probably pretty positive. Uh, it, it's, it's always an odd dynamic uh, when you've got so many guys that have played multiple spots. I know they mentioned that Dave Mormon uh, and Micah Kapoy were their, their emergency centers last year as well. So, I mean, to me, it's a, uh, like I said, it's encouraging, uh, but it'll, it'll be certainly worth watching because there's there's a lot of moving parts there and there's a lot of hungry guys there that haven't had much opportunity to play. So seeing how those guys respond uh, to the competition through summer and, and fall camp and how they start to uh, shape uh, shaped together uh, in in September is going to be an interesting watch. Yeah, and it's one thing if fans get a chance to listen to or watch on YouTube on the Wisconsin Badgers YouTube channel, they put up the you know Jim Leonard discussion, uh, his interview with the media as well as Rudolph's. Uh, you'll you'll hear. I think one thing we'll, we've seen that's been often that I've called out a lot. A lot of quarterback stuff. A lot of uh, mixing and matching when it comes to who's in, who's out. Fayon Hicks was out with a right leg today, by the way, injury, along with tight end Jake Ferguson. But with Hicks out, I mean, you mean you're also seeing Caesar Williams. You know, Rashad Wildgoose got some first first up reps alongside Caesar Williams, who's kind of been the consistent guy there. Uh, we're still watching to see who else steps up. Uh, if it's Deron Harrell, uh, who we saw with some of the first team reps as well. Uh, who you know how Dante Burton and Alexander Smith and you know he called out just talking about where they were last year to where they are now it's better but they, he, Jim also talked about some of the inconsistencies uh, as well that they they, they they see but he said overall as a group you know they're they're um, they're above where they were last season so that's a positive there for and them pushing themselves for competition to to become a strength. Uh, and that's something that Fayon Hicks told us after practice on sat- Saturday, talking about how they feel this competition can grow the units, uh, the secondary, uh, into a strength for the Wisconsin defense. On that note, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Or actually, we'll take a quick break after uh, John Budmeyer. We'll play the eight-minute-plus conversation with him. Listen for what he says about Graham and adjusting to – UW to the college game. Uh, also pay attention to what he says at the end of the interview with Danny Vandenboom and Chase Wolf. And along even in the uh, maybe early to mid part about it, just talking about Jack Cohn and what he's doing. It's very uh, enlightening. It's the first time we've had a real chance to talk to John, Bud- John Budmeyer, uh, you know, with this year. And it seems like this group. And from, from what I've heard, uh, it sounds like the team likes, this quarterback room and they like, you know, you can see 
the players doing well. You see even the players with themselves, uh, you know, uh, as an observation from practice, uh, Jack, after like a big play, you know, Jack Cohn and uh, Chase Wolf would do, uh, you know, a chest bump, a flying chest bump in the air. So, you know, and you'll hear what John says is that they're respectful, but it's a, it is a competition, but they're respectful of each other. So it's healthy. And, uh, and that's, I think, a, a positive part there. And of course, with quarterbacks, they want, I mean, with any type of positional battle, they want to be the man uh, on the field. So we'll see what comes of that, uh, obviously. And, but you also hear John's comments about what, how spring reps set up fall, uh, fall reps down the road uh, and his thinking and line of thinking with that. So without further ado, here's Wisconsin quarterback coach John Budmeyer talking to reporters earlier today. We'll take a break after that, wrap it all up here on Bucky's fifth podcast Graham has had a, a, probably as much hype as any quarterback that's come here and maybe since Russell I don't know it's been a long time but uh, you've, you've known him through the recruiting process for a long time do you get a sense of how he has handled that especially since he's been on campus yeah he, he's done well and what he does a great job of is being in the moment and I think that helps him not look too far ahead, not look at what the future holds, but truly just dive into it. And he's done that since day one here. He did a great job. There was a lot of um, different obstacles he worked through in the recruiting process to get here. And so he's very mature and he's allowed himself the opportunity to have success because he's how, of how he's kept himself in the moment. And that's what I've appreciated the most out of him. He's just diving in, wants to go to work and learn as much as he can. What has stood out through the nine practices that you've had? Maybe even for an early enroll. You know what? I think he's he's grasped the offense well. Um, everything we're asking him to digest, he's digested it well. And now it's just a matter of getting reps at it so that those windows become real and the timing becomes real. But uh, one thing is like he doesn't he doesn't have to think too much when he throws. Like he's an accurate passer and the ball goes where he wants it to go. And now it's just a matter of adjusting to some of the speeds, some of the windows that get a little bit tighter at this level. And once he gets that, I think he'll grow even more comfortable. But I've loved his approach as with the whole group. Like they've been into it and um, he's just got to keep going and reps help that. How important were your trips down there to him? And you guys would sit, sit around and watch film, I understand. Yeah. He said he would write down all the offense, that type of stuff. How much did that help him? You know, I, th- I think in recruiting, such a big piece of it is relationships. And especially at our position, a big part of that is building trust because uh, we, we got to have great trust when we communicate. And what did you see there? And if did you not see it? And why did you make that decision? There, there's got to be a great amount of trust in that where I'm fortunate and all the guys on our staff are fortunate is we build that process through recruiting and it starts early. And with Graham, it was no different. You know, that through that, we were trying to obviously teach and get him a little bit up to speed, but more than anything, continue to build out that relationship where trust is so key. And then once there's trust and they know that you want to coach them and that you've got their best interests at hand, then you can truly coach them and you can coach them to a high standard. And I think that was just part of that is building that. One thing he does well is make plays on the run, on the mm-hmm. move. I mean, that, that seems to be, even on Saturday in that open practice, that right. he, he can do that. Is that a dynamic that he brings beyond the accurate passing? Yeah, I do. I, I think he has a good he has a good feel for extending plays. Um, and Graham will be the first one to tell you after Saturday's practice, there were a couple of those that didn't have to happen. You know, he, he got off a read a little bit too quick or – he, he got a little bit of nervous feet when there wasn't. It was kind of a ghost pressure. It wasn't actually in his face. And so um, although he made some, some great location throws, like I said, he'll be the first one to tell you after watching the tape, you know, I could have hung in there and my, 
intent was open or one in the progression was open, I didn't have to get flush. But when he does, so that's the that's the art of playing quarterback is the ability to when it's there, protection's clean, trust it, cut it loose, and then when it's not, if you can extend and avoid the negative plays and create something, then then you got a good chance. And and I think he does a great job of that. And now just want to keep tightening up the feet and the read so that it's when he has to and not when he doesn't have to. The big thing. Jack's been taking most of the first team reps mm-hmm. for you guys. Do you, do you kind of view him as the starter right now, or do you feel like all four guys are still yeah, sort of you know competing what? for that? The, the beauty of the spring is that the, we have no conversations at depth chart. We truly we, we approach it to get better each day, and Jack certainly has the most experience of the group, and I've loved his approach. The way he's, a, he's came back um, you know, from winter break throughout winter conditioning, how he's approached spring ball, it's it's everything he's doing everything we ask of him and he understands what he has to get better at and he understands what his strengths are that he has to keep building on and so I, I think you know you know I'd be disappointed if Jack did, wasn't viewing himself as the starter but from my point of view for the whole group it's get better we because if we get better each day then we're going to be a good team come fall camp and that's what we're preparing for is fall camp we're not preparing for the season just yet do you think come fall are you still going to be able to give all four guys the kind of reps they're getting now or are you going to have to kind of I don't think so I, I think naturally that like the spring is a great time where you earn reps for the fall and so that's where that's why you got to get enough in the spring to where you can make a good decision on that um but Absolutely. Like once it comes fall camp, now you're transitioning to where you're preparing for the season and you got three weeks um, and really you got about 20 practices to do that. And so there's limited reps. There's not endless opportunities. And the guys get that. They know that. That's why this is such a big spring for the whole group. But absolutely, you're identifying. Okay, now once we get into the fall, how do do those reps get get split up? And, And you certainly earn them. You earn the right for more reps in fall by how we do in the spring. But we're still trying to learn each day and get better and improve. And that's what I've loved about the group is their approach has been just that. Uh, back to Graham really quickly. Yep. Um, in terms of obviously just like all on the field, so off the field, I mean, for a kid this young to be surrounded by a lot of hype and to not let it go to his head, have you seen him take this in stride a little bit more? Have you been impressed by it? How has he been taking all the outside noise? Yeah, he's, he's very mature. And I think a lot of that is from what he went through um, in high school because he was exposed to a a lot of different media obligations. He was exposed to a lot of different uh, personalities through a lot of the different events that he went through. And so he, he understood what that was and, and he knows that it's, it's never as good and it's never as bad. And so he does a great job of keeping his head on straight. And, and we have conversations about it, you know, and we, I try to help him, but I don't have to do much because he's in a good place and he came in in a good place. His family and his parents have done a terrific job of raising him to build that foundation. And now it's a, it's a matter of him just staying true to who he is. And he's done a great job of that so far. I haven't asked you yet about Danny or Chase. Yeah. Um, can you share what do you feel like each of those guys what do they do well? Um, what could give them a chance? What do you like about them? Right. And, and also, uh, since we only have one more question, <laughs> uh, make it into two. Uh, you know, they're kind of, in some respects, the, the forgotten quarterbacks on the outside. How right. have they handled that? Yeah, you, you know what? To, I'll answer the, the second one first. They're certainly anything but forgotten in our room. And, and to my approach, like, uh, I love having every guy in that room uh, that we have right now. It's it's a really good group, and they're into it. They're competitive but respectful, 
And so they appreciate it when good football is being played. They know how to learn from it when it's not. But at the same time, they're competing and they want to be the best of them. And so Danny and Chase are absolutely in that same mold. And that's what's that's what you love about the group is they're into it and very coachable. But the the strengths that they have, I think Danny's got it. He has a great sense of who he is. He, he knows what throws he can make, what throws he can't. And so when he can, it's a throw he can make. He cuts it loose. And um, when it's one he not when it's one that he can't, he progresses through the play. And I think that's one of his biggest strengths. Um, and for Chase, you know, really with with Chase, his his strength is he can make any throw. Now it's just a matter of when is that a good decision to make that throw. And so, you know, you got to remember with Chase, this is his first spring ball, and so he's getting the biggest amount of work that he's had up to this point. And I've loved his approach and the way that he's he's. Um, gotten into it and been in the moment and tried to learn from mistakes. He's done a great job of that. And now we just got to keep progressing. Wrapping up this edition of Bucky's fifth podcast, Jake Kokorowski, Owen Reese. That was John Budmeyer, quarterbacks coach for Wisconsin. And now uh, really kind of just wrapping up the show. And thank you guys again for listening. We'll tell you how to listen and how to subscribe all in just a little bit. And all, of course, subscriptions are always free. It does not cost you a thing. You just click a nice little button on either iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, and voila, you have us in your ear. So before that, though, coming up in the next week, uh, and I'll be, I have to get to this after we finish recording, uh, Owen has put together scouting profiles of your favorite Wisconsin Badgers that are draft eligible this year. So you saw Xander Neville put up earlier. Then you also uh, probably have Taiwan deals up by tomorrow morning. We're going to run all these up until the NFL draft that uh, starts obviously next Thursday night and, if, and stick with Bucky's fifth quarter. We're hoping to get someone on to talk about NFL draft profiles uh, and, and where Wisconsin Badgers could be headed. Uh, and that'll play early next week. Uh, I'm going to try to get a couple other Badgers on as well. Talk about their draft journeys and also have some fun uh, like we did with Olive earlier uh, on Monday. So, uh, but also uh, more spring practice notes, practice. We won't have practice uh, availability until Friday, but you know that we'll have some more recaps, more photos, some more video along with any other type of Hauser type news. If anything drops there, but also I'm yeah, we got a lot going on at the site and I hope you guys are enjoying it, uh, especially as I'm interim site manager at the moment. And I hope you guys are are seeing, are enjoying, especially the badgers to watch columns that we had, the, the features with up leading up to, of course, Nate Reavers being named number one uh, for coming up next year. Uh, We've had a lot of great, and and shout out to Neil Olson for also for doing his analysis of what's to come next season as well. So, uh, I said a lot there, but uh, we are churning and we are fi- not just churning. We're firing on all cylinders right now. And we'll give you all the NFL draft updates that we have coming up too. Uh, before Owen and I decide to have a couple of beers and watch some professional wrestling at Turner Hall in Milwaukee next Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a, I'm excited. Uh, it was first, uh, first live event that I had been to in about 15 years uh so it was awesome to do that and yeah it was um always fun to to meet uh 
meet new people, meet uh, people from the site that, that write that you guys read. Um, so that's cool. Uh, and looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, so if you guys uh, leave us a five-star Frog Splash review on B5Q, uh, let us know what you like about the show, um, You know what, what we can improve on, what we can talk about that you want us to talk about. Uh, and and uh, like I said, happy to do this for you guys. Um, Jake and I always always enjoy talking UW, whether it's football, basketball, or, or anything else. So uh, leave us a, like I said, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. And uh, appreciate you all for listening, exactly. as always. And then, like I said, we got a lot more coming up, both in the written and the verbal parts of our, pot, of our show, of our site. And thank you guys again for listening. Have a great week. Take care. Be well. And we'll talk to you guys coming up soon again on Bucky's fifth podcast.